0: I am your host, Karina Gantis, and you're listening to a special edition of Behind the Pen for the Napod Pomo National Podcast Post Month. I'm your host Karina Ganters. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Pen. I'm an award-winning author of 14 books, award-winning filmmaker. I'm a podcaster, YouTuber, booktuber. I host the Artist First show on the uh, the Author Assist show on the Artist First radio network and I also run Author Assist which helps authors with their marketing and promotion of their books enough about me On to my very special guest today uh please welcome Deacon Malua welcome to the show Deacon
1: thank you for having me
0: now we're we're far away I mean I'm over in Greece you're over in the U.S. um we've had some real tropical storms and the um internet has been playing up terrible so fingers crossed everything goes well with this recording and uh We don't have any cutoffs or or anything because it's amazing, isn't it? The technology. It's like you're sitting right beside someone having a conversation, yet we're halfway across the world.
1: And I suppose that's the silver lining between uh, this whole epidemic is it really pushed that technology to another degree where, you know, we've accepted the technology now we, we're not resisting well, but
0: many it. people didn't know it even existed especially <laughs> yeah. a lot of authors <laughs> you know authors right. would go into these uh, sign ins book signings and cons and selling all their books there and never even thought about going worldwide their audience is out there waiting to hear them, to hear about their books, to hear about their, their journey, which is what this podcast is all about. Behind the Pen is for anyone who holds a pen. It's for artist, illustrator, um, tattooist, uh, writer, author, um, musician, anyone who holds a pen. So Deacon, how do you use your pen?
1: Interesting. Uh... <clears throat> Or I guess anyone who has a laptop nowadays, right? <laughs> <Shh>.
0: <laughs> Are you, it's okay so, with an iPad, because you're still using a pen. But, that's uh, true. Yeah.
1: That's absolutely <laughs> true. Um, well, so, you know, it's funny. Uh, my background is in engineering. And uh, I always say I can read numbers better than letters. Um, I read my full, complete book in college, I just don't do words. That's not my thing. <laughs> uh, so I remember I was the kid who was always like, who needs to learn how to write, you know, like when you got numbers next to you. So, um, I actually published my first book, um, in December of 2019. Uh, I grew up in the deacon, uh, as a deacon in the Ethiopian Orthodox Auto Church. Uh, and you know, me being from Ethiopia, there's this um, what is Ethiopia, right? So like, and more when you say like the Ethiopian Orthodox water church, like, what is that? Um, and especially for the youth that grew up in America, Ethiopian Americans, they had many questions. So I wrote a book saying, I need answers. And the theme of the book was where the West meets the East, East being Ethiopia or the Eastern part of Africa and, and, and just that what they will call the Orient um, and academia so the book was meant to say hey you know with this cultural difference culture shock uh, here's here's how we understand the church in the present day and me being a deacon having served uh, many students uh, throughout the country i thought it was appropriate for me to say you know here's a little guideline for for what the church is about so that's how my first book came about um, and the second book has took me even a, a deacon for. Actually, uh, I've been a deacon for about five years, four, uh, four, four years, four years.
0: Four years. And that's because you're, you're from Ethiopia.
1: I'm from Ethiopia. I came here when I was seven. Just a little baby.
0: Seven. Wow.
1: Um, grew up here like a normal kid, uh, going around, you know, doing my thing. Uh, graduated from um, Virginia Tech University uh, here in, in Virginia. Got my first job as a patent uh, patent um, examiner and bought a house and living life. When I decided there was more to life than that, wow! Then you got the calling. I got the calling and and I decided to you know sell the house, sell the car, sell everything. Went back to Ethiopia for a year and a half, and I to live in a monastery. Um, where I got educated through the traditional means of uh, the Ethiopian system. And I came back here and I'm currently continuing my education in the Ethiopian tradition at Catholic University um, at a graduate level. They have Ethiopian studies available. Um, I've heard,
0: just just in that conversation just now, I've heard two religious um, religions. I've heard you say the orthodox and the catholic, catholic. in the right. same sort of sentence right. so how does that work <laughs> uh
1: so yeah that's that's the story of my life right here's the orthodox uh, deacon going to catholic school so the the thing is um and, and here's where you know we, we start kind of heading over to my new book is i i I wanted, when I came back from Ethiopia, I wanted to join a program, like continue learning about God, continue learning about theology. Uh, I live in the DC area, and in DC, one of the best theology programs is is the the Catholic University of America. That's like Mm -hmm. the university. So I joined the theology program, and I suddenly recognized this has nothing to do with my religion. (laughs) Like, you know, like, um, but I found out not in the theology program. So whenever people come up to me, they say, you're a theologian. I'm like, no, because it's not in the theology program. I I I dropped that and entered humanities and there's a a program for Ethiopian studies.
0: Exactly. So you found what you were looking for within the the Catholic uh, university.
1: Yeah, so it's just, it happens to be called the Catholic University, but yes. it's under the humanities program and it offers uh, uh, the, the, the like um, languages, a very language intensive course. So I've done Coptic. I've done, of course, the ancient language of Ethiopia uh, is or Ethiopic. I have done Arabic. I've done Greek. uh
0: hey, done um, Greek. Huh? <laughs> yeah,
1: a little bit, though. Yeah, a little bit, though. So just enough <laughs> to get me through the first year
0: don't worry i won't test you um because i'm (laughs) roman catholic myself but i'm not um a churchgoer in i don't i don't go into religion and politics much on the show but i have my beliefs and i keep them to myself and as long as i believe and what i believe that stays with me and i don't need to go to a church or kiss pictures around like they do in the greek orthodox because they are very very strict over here with their religion. Yeah. And I imagine the Ethiopian Orthodox are very similar to the Greek Orthodox.
1: I love you. Um, thank you for saying that. So one of the things that like, I, you know, thank you for saying that because the frustration that I've been coming across and the reason why I'm writing this book is like, because we're Ethiopian, there's a stigma of painting us as some type of foreign exotic religion, even though you have the term orthodox and Christianity attached to Ethiopia. Um, I remember in the DC area, I was like, I did, I, there were uh, guests who came, non-Ethiopian members, um, who came to the church. And I did a presentation on the Ethiopian Orthodox to so church, emphasis on church. And the first question I got is, do you read the Bible? And I remember thinking, like, we're at a church. You know, we, we're at a church. <laughs> so, and and then the question is, like, no, 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 but you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and the, and the rest of them. And like, we're at a church, right? So, there's. Oh is my
0: this, gosh. I'm thinking this, like
1: <laughs> voodoo, Buddhism, and all the
0: black <laughs> magic and everything. Oh my gosh. Some people's and, mentality.
1: But, you know, um, and the more I started diving in, it's not just the, like the common man. Even in academia, I started recognizing, and this is kind of where things took a dramatic turn, um, modern-day Ethiopic studies was founded by fascists. Oh. came in Ethiopia in the 1930s to learn how to better divide the country into ethnicity and language and, of course, uh, religion. And they were doing studies under the uh, long known slogan of divide and conquer. So, how could we divide these people ethnically, linguistically, religiously? And those writings ended up in universities where they're still being taught to this day. Uh, Now, I'm getting ready to take my PhD exam in in, in about two, three weeks. And part Mm -hmm. of my writing, one of the articles that I found, says that the Abyssinian faith, which is of course one of the terms used to describe Ethiopians, their faith is barbaric, uncritical, and superstitious. Uh, This is part of like the academia settings that are... are Maybe there are,
0: yeah exactly, because they've grown up like that, they've been taught that way, and so yes that there probably is, but you can't say that the whole country is, is that it is. It is divided, like you say. It's divided because that's what they wanted to do, and that's what they they have done. And so those teachings are still going now, and people believe in in those rituals or or, or that kind of faith.
1: Um, so you know what breaks my heart is not just that academians are today in the present day um, continuing that legacy of of. Uh, co- uh, colonization, But what breaks my heart is uh, Ethiopians today are be- starting to believe the narrative that is being taught by Western scholars. So what is sad is the authority on Ethiopian history are not Ethiopians at the moment. They're Westerners who have derived their ideology and methodology of studying the people from fascists. So where that has led, uh, and I'm not sure. You know, I know you said you don't get into politics, but right now there's a civil war uh, among the country with various people fighting along lines of ethnic feuds that is being talked about on CNN and BBC and Fox News and the major media channels. And it breaks my heart when I see this because the conversation should shift back and see. Wait a minute, how did we get here? And it always goes back to the genesis of where, by the way, a little history lesson. Um, in the 19th century, when the fascists were coming over to Africa, Ethiopia was the only nation not to have been conquered. They defeated the Italians. And, and, and it was, you know, a great uh, victory for the nation of the black, right, <laughs> to defeat uh, Europeans. Um, now, in 1920s, the Italians came back to Ethiopia with, with revenge in mind uh, to take over the country and and to get their name back. And they send over war strategists like Carlo Conti Rossini and Enrico Cerulli to conquer these people. And these are the the war criminals who ended up studying the people. And today we are presented up to today, even in my university, as people who are scholars of the field. Their research is given it sounds
0: to me like you you this next book before you even tell me about it is going to be you putting the facts down on paper letting people know what went on what's going on and how things should be
1: mhm um and the untold uh, the hopeless romantic the untold history of of Ethiopia so it's it's the part that's never told Uh, And when we start transitioning over to the book, uh, you know, Ethiopia was one of the greatest empires in the world. Um, I always say Ethiopia is, is, you know, like Black Panther, the movie is real. And Ethiopia is like Wakanda. Um, And in the third century, one historical figure named Mani said the four greatest empires of the world was Ethiopia, China, Persia, and Rome. So, you know, Ethiopia being placed across Rome, but we never hear about it in the West. You hear about Rome, you hear about China, you hear about Persia. But where is Ethiopia? Well, our history has been stolen. And the book is my way of saying, listen, like, let's learn about this great country, this great empire that existed. And then secondly, let's let's be woke. Let's understand that this history has been stolen and we need to get it back.
0: How's it going with the book? Is it actually finished? Is it ready to be published? Is it going to be um, out uh, soon?
1: I was actually emailing uh the the my publicist today, and we're just a few steps from completing it so but my my deadline is um my p h d. exam is in November second i believe so right after that I could just publish it with like you know.
0: Yeah, um, get your exam out of the way first.
1: Yeah, yeah, you yeah, don't mine, want yeah, to my, think about
0: oh, marketing and promotion while you're trying yeah. to study. Oh, my gosh. It's like yeah. I your mind in too. Exactly. So,
1: exactly. so
0: your first book, how did that? Uh, how was it received, your first book?
1: My first book, so the, the thing is, it, you know, it, I have a, for the first book, it, it was a small market. Um, it's, it's for people who are in the Ethiopian Orthodox Sahara Church. Who are young and who speak English and who have questions. So, I mean, like, it was a niche. yeah, It is a niche. Yeah, it's a niche. <laughs> so, I, th- but I, I, I did successful because everyone in the market um, got the book and benefited from it. Um, so, you know, I knew my audience because I, I spent the past 10 years. Um, I don't know if I'm, if you think I'm young or old. But I think you're young. <laughs> well, <laughs> you okay, look I'll young. take it. I'll take it. Because <laughs> my Sunday school students don't think so. So, <laughs> so um, you know, I spent uh time with the youth. So even in my early 20s, I was teaching 15 and 16, 17 year olds, right? Um, so I like I I just like have that mindset. I know how to talk to them. So everyone in that in that age group, you know bought the book and, 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 and hey if you can get a 15 year old kid to pick up a book that's a win that's oh it win. is
0: most definitely <laughs> uh, how long's has it been since the first to this second book what's the year, uh, you know the year gap uh
1: so i published the first book in december 2019 uh, mm-hmm. so now it's quite a uh, while well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How
0: long have you been working on the book though? Because you've been studying as well. So you don't have much time for writing.
1: So, oh, how right. long has it been? So, what ended up happening is I had no plan. So, you know, right when I published the book, everybody was like, where's the second book coming out? And I said, <laughs> that's not how it works. Because my thing is. No, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, my philosophy was. I never want to do something for the sake of doing it. I mm. want to do something because the need is there. Mm-hmm. So with the first book it just felt right like mm-hmm. like it just it was felt needed. Right. Yeah. It was needed. And you know I wrote it in 2 weeks um because everything was just there like it was just like um like when, and then when I do something I just I just lock everything in and I just, it just do it. It just flows. It just flows and, and you know i close the world. like the world doesn't exist to me like exactly
0: weird. you're in the yeah. zone that's what we call the zone
1: okay yeah yeah zone, so i didn't even know that <laughs> it's like
0: yeah it's like you're in a tunnel and nothing around exists and all you're thinking about is the plot the story what you need to get down on on paper you can't sleep or you sleep but you dream so you get up and then you have to keep typing at five say, six okay. o'clock in the morning yeah so this that, is normal okay is thing. Was like, what's,
1: what's wrong with me <laughs>
0: no no and when you start hearing the voices in your head not like you don't already <laughs> because you've had the calling so i imagine you hear voices anyway but when you start hearing other voices in your head um again that is all being in the zone
1: yeah, and, and that's and we all really it. i would sleep the, you know the computer in my lap which i shouldn't be doing and then like, <laughs> tell no, me no, about no, it no, my husband goes ballistic just...
0: <laughs> he comes home every night and I'm snoring away from my computer on my lap yeah. so far it hasn't fell off the bed and smashed but uh, <laughs> it's just a habit I just right. I, I had I suffer from insomnia I don't sleep and yeah. so when my body's ready to go it just goes it doesn't give me any yeah, notice yeah, yeah, you know yeah. so but, um, but back back to you yeah
1: yeah yeah so what happened is you know um the civil war in Ethiopia started about a year ago from now, actually. Um, and you know, me being a, like a sunny school student. Um, well, let me back. I'm gonna say when I, when I grew up in America, uh, we came to uh, America and we we were what we would say Americanized. So we just wanted to be living. One life of the yeah, yeah yeah one of my fellow Americans right so I yeah. wasn't really worried about what was going on back home, back home I remember yeah. Sundays there were um radio stations that my dad would listen like oh actually not my dad but the dads of Ethiopians like we'd all like congregate and listen to Ethiopian <laughs> politics and my friends and I we just grew up like not caring like oh mm-hmm. like you know this is just boring um so that was kind of like how I grew up but for the first time ever I saw the youth being um, affected by what was happening on the ground in Ethiopia. And I'm talking about Ethiopian diaspora, right? So the youth here in America were being affected by what was going on in Ethiopia. And unfortunately, I started to see divisions. I started seeing separations that affected the ministry that we were involved with. Um, and, and, And those divisions were happening across ethnic lines. So initially... I said, as a Sunday school teacher, I have to speak up. I have to speak up, and I have to address my so-called congregation, but it's not a church, so I guess you know my my followers, my listeners, whatever it is. Um, and my initial take on this book was going to be, "Hey guys, love, unity, and peace." But as I was getting ready for my PhD exam, um, I'm reading about the history of Ethiopia, and I'm like, "This is awesome." Like I like I never knew these things, right like so the Ethiopia, Ethiopians have one of the earliest manuscripts that contain um uh, what is it illustrations in it, you know a, a gospel uh, Abagarima gospels with a fully uh, illuminated gospels uh, Ethiopia used to sh- uh, do trade with the rest of the world, like Greek and Rome and and, 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 and India and so on and so forth. Uh, Ethiopians used to have uh, Greek alphabets inscribed in monuments. Like, who, who would have thunk it? You know, so that's like equivalent to saying um, Ethiopia was involved in the space race in present yeah, day. Yeah, you know, yeah. you think about it, uh, yeah. I, I didn't know this. Ethiopia, uh, the Ethiopian language had a minor role to play in the in the, in the Quran. Uh, there are passages of the Quran. That encompasses Ethiopic words in it. Linguists have been able to show that. Um, So, you know, you're learning about this. Is this the same Ethiopia? I know, like you know that that that, like a poor country. No,
0: I mean you were yeah exactly. You were a little baby when you left, and all you knew of Ethiopia was what they were showing you on the TV.
1: And I believed Uh, it. The poor,
0: (laughs) poor, the children starving, and everyone raising money and everything for the kids in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. and that's all you knew of the country and that's all you wanted to know exactly. and then you started studying mm-hmm. and then suddenly this bell went off and it was like oh my gosh I, I had no idea that my country was so so rich so powerful once before
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: I can imagine with, with
1: women leaders they had women lead I mean it's just, you keep reading and you're like wow and you know, and then you see the the present reality, you like your heart kind of breaks out, and you're like, "This great empire, this great empire, like what happened? And, well, the could say yeah. could be said for Greece. Do you remember how big
0: Greece was? Greece was Europe.
1: Greece was Europe,
0: and yeah. bit by bit it was taken away until we're left with this little little bit of you now island put <laughs> this island.
1: But imagine witnessing it as it's falling apart,
0: mm. right?
1: Like you're, you're witnessing that. Religion.
0: Well, that's it. I mean, everything in every war in the world is being caused or blamed on religion and uh, ethnic uh, division and um, terrorists and, and, and what have you. And if you can, if you, I mean, how much good can you do from writing one book? The thing is, the, the right person might read it and that person might be able to do something. And it gives you peace of mind knowing that you've got your view out there and people are listening to it and you've said what you needed to say. And so, I mean, you've, you've, you're doing the right thing. We just don't know how much is going to matter, unfortunately. You have to have the right person well, so, to read that book.
1: Yes and no. So my main audience is the youth, and and I say that in the book. I hope academicians will read this book, and, and I have a call for uh, so-called scholars to, um, you know, one of the things I, I argue in the book is, okay, fine, uh, the the fascists named Enrico Ciarulli and, and Carlo Conti Rossini Fine, let's call them scholars, but let's not call them great. Let's, let's read the material, but, you know, like, they're showered with the accolades. One yeah. of the best Ethiopianists, yeah. the greatest stuff. You know, that kind of rhetoric, is, it's, it's, it's just mean. It's, it's mean because you're robbing us Ethiopians the opportunity to say, wait a minute, this is the same guy that came into my country to, 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 to take over my land. Right. So we don't even so so give us a chance to understand. The other thing is, um, even on present day um, uh, politics, uh, scholars are still weighing in with like little evidence to show them. So I'll, I'll give you an example. There's a king named King Minilik, who's a 19th century figure, extremely controversial. And, and part of the reason why many Ethiopians are killing each other today is because of how they understand this historical person. Some will tell you he's the best king that ever lived. He was a champion of Ethiopia who defended the country against the the fascists. The others will tell you he's a villain who went uh, across the region, killing and raping women. In this uh, journal article, it was written that he, uh, this king uh, went in and killed a lot of women, but there is no footnotes provided. And in fact, in the beginning, they say, there's not a lot of sources presented to help us understand of the events that took place. So here's an academic book that weighed in on current politics of Ethiopia, where the Ethiopians haven't even gotten a chance to settle their own history. You see, so these are not just things that are wrong. It's dangerous. As an academician, I must challenge these writers and say, where's your source? For such yeah. a bold statement, such a For bold, a bold statement. statement,
0: yeah. Where did it come from? Yeah, where's your proof? I, where's where's the facts?
1: Which yeah. you know they they said in the beginning there isn't. That's why I'm like you can't do things like that. Um, and in another place, uh, they, they talk about anti-Semitic rhetoric within Ethiopian literature, and it, it's there. But the, the the thing is, you know, it's Ethiopian literature is very unique um, in that. The current scholarship is showing that the anti-Semitic rhetoric may not have been used against the Jewish community per se, but it was just a rhetoric device to mm-hmm. symbolize something evil. Not that I'm justifying it, mm-hmm. but it's completely different from what was going on in the West. With the West, you were, you were persecuting Jews and early Christian Era. The reason why I point this out is the writers said the, the anti-Semitic rhetoric uh, in Ethiopian literature points to Jews being persecuted by Christians, but there is no evidence for this, no doubt. But there is no evidence. So they're taking Western perspectives mm-hmm. and what the history that took in the West and they're projecting it on the history of Ethiopians. The sad thing is this type of literature is finding its ways into Ethiopian universities, and Ethiopians are reading it, and they're believing it. So with
0: your forever. book, you've got your sources, you've got your facts, everything that you've you've stated 100%. in your um, uh-huh, the I history, the unknown, history of, the unknown history of Ethiopia. Um, yes. You have your facts, you have your sources, so no one can Go everybody and say, go and, and,
1: and say. so so the way that I try I try to do it I don't know if like people are able to see but n- first I cite uh, the, the my secondary sources uh, of scholarship as sources of authority so I say these these, these happen and they, they cite this and the last chapter is to say although I have cited this like the whole like ethiopic studies has a problem and I try to show the whole in, in ethiopic studies and say you know yeah i'm using ethiopic sources or scholarship uh that's within the field but i am questioning that field even though i'm using it right <laughs> even so. though you're
0: using it <laughs> okay well time's gone really really quick and the only thing I, the last thing i really want to say is it's a, a very very well-known motto and it uh, bodes very simple to you and what you're doing is that the pen is mightier than the sword. We have the freedom to write, the freedom of speech and the freedom to write about what we want. Uh, Of course, if we can't uh, write about anything, you've got to have your facts and your sources. Um, But our words are powerful. And if we can get that across with something that's so important with what you've written about, if we can get, those emotions from that person reading your book to feel what you feel when you were writing it then then you've you've done your job mm. as a deacon as an author congratulations you know that really and I think it's, that
1: really means a lot thank you so much
0: i really no i, I wish you all the best with that and uh, I, I wish you all the best with your exam as well you carry hey, on I studying <laughs>
1: I, by the way, I have my Greek book right here, so I've oh been uh, doing Greek all day. <laughs> oh, my and, gosh. and yeah, my Arabic book right here next to it. Oh, week, my. So. <laughs> Rather you
0: than me. I finished studying. <laughs> uh, I just yeah, – yeah. uh, I help people. You help people in your way. I help people in my way. And yeah. I think that's we're, – we're both on different paths, but we're both doing the same thing.
1: And that, 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 you know, and that's what it's all about, is, is you know, uh, pushing positivity. Um, uh, we could do a lot better, you know. Uh, it's so sad that if you when you think about the world, we know more about killing each other than saving lives, right? We know more about hate than love, uh, which reminds me when I said love. Uh, this book is, of course, hopeless romantic uh, because you said I'm a young man. I'm trying to get married, and I want to find more Aww. special person so the the way that i'm writing this book is um you know i call myself a hopeless romantic i want to get married i want to find the right you know girl but uh people tell me that my idea about love doesn't exist right i'm I'm too idealistic and i say i know true love exists because i've seen it in my parents marriage for over 30 years i'm with my
0: soulmate.
1: there you go
0: i'm married in two days I've been married 20 oh, years wow. to my
1: soulmate. Wow. And I know 100% beautiful.
0: that he is.
1: That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so, uh, it's going to yeah. happen. I mean, there's always someone out there, and, and you will find that person. You'll yeah. find that person, but you need to uh, finish what you started first. Right. right. And then move on to your next.
1: and and the reason why i brought this up is because you know in the book i say my true love is of course ethiopia and and people are questioning what ethiopia is about and i say i believe in ethiopia's greatness and i know ethiopia was great because i've read the history so that's the connection that i try to bring it in and the book is written through the lens of uh the love between a husband and a wife, and that's how I approach it as my that's love beautiful. for Ethiopia. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that's, that's beautiful.
0: So, yeah. um, where can people find your book now, and where will they be able to find the new book when it comes out?
1: Uh, well, you can uh, find all that information on my website, Dawit dot D a w i t m u l u n e h. Dawit is my first name. Mulune is my last name, and. Um, it's on Amazon as well. So I Need Answers. If you could, if you go on a, I Need Answers Amazon and, and the new book will also be on Amazon, hopefully in mid-November. Is when
0: Wonderful. Well, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. And uh, you so I really wish you all the best in, with the book and with your exams and with your hunting for your uh, love of your life. Because um, <laughs> I'm sure she's out there for you and
1: uh, you will Thank find you her. you so Thank you so much. You're welcome.